Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1. It seems like it's been a minute since I've had an opportunity to teach. I think uh, I got sick, we went on vacation, and then we had the Harvest Fest, and it seems like it's been a minute, and so I'm excited to be able to teach um, uh, a lesson that the Lord kind of dealt with me a a while back, and I want to share with you some scripture. How many of you would consider yourself to be a patient person? Come on, raise it up there. I'm patient. No, one, two. Sister Gray, I believe it. Some of you others, I'm kind of skeptical. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Paul's writing to Timothy, said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul describes himself, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Have you ever done anything ignorantly? Hopefully you're not doing much in unbelief, but we do things ignorantly sometimes. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful, um, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Other translations say, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. It's drawn attention that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Verse 16, Howbeit, or because of this, for this cause, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Verse 16, Paul says that in me first, that's the only me first statement that I have found in Scripture. I challenge somebody to find another me first Scripture. I haven't found one. Not saying that it's not there, I just simply haven't found one. Verse 16 from the NIV says it this way, but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, that me first thing, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Amen. Thank you for standing in reverence for the word of God. You can be seated this morning. I'm going to make a statement that I think is easily understood. I think you can grasp this, understand this, and get it. Patience is at a premium in our world today. If you you can't relate with that, you're probably not going to relate with anything I say. Um, for us today, fast food is too slow. Uh, you know, I don't like waiting in lines in restaurants, so we have call-ahead seating. And for those of you who work outside of my box, you can call DoorDash and you can truly have it delivered to your door. Not really haven't done that yet. Instant coffee takes too long, so some very smart, intelligent person created the Keurig, of which I am thankful, oh God, right? And of course, 
the, the monumental tribute to our insatiable desire for immediacy. Every single person in this room is carrying it with you right now. The World Wide Web and every bit of information that I don't possibly need is available to me at all times, right? And if that's not enough in our impatient world, you sat down this morning and many of you pulled up this little stupid device they call a smartphone, and you picked up on the guest reception, the Wi-Fi, and the whole wide world is immediately accessible to us. Uh, I've even watched as some of the, the generation who maybe are a couple of years beyond me have spoken and asked for directions from their smartphone. They've gone all kinds of things, asked the question, right? You know, I remember years ago I asked Siri, where was the best place to, uh, to hide a body? The response back then, this was when it first came out, was near you, they're about five miles away, there is a community dump. I was like, good answer. Pretty good, right? But the truth is, humanity's always finding new ways to get around waiting in line. I mean, we don't even like to wait in line at theme parks, and they're all about waiting in line. They've created this thing I haven't used, one called a rapid pass. I mean, I get it. Makes sense, right? I mean, as, as humanity, we make every, every effort, every effort to avoid the two most dreaded places in America, the post office and the DMV, completely. Don't want to go there, right? And so while all of these developments are wonderful, I mean, why do we want to wait in lines needlessly? We don't, right? And so I, I, uh, as a uh, my generation, I, I happily embrace all of these improvements, but at some point, at some area, we've got to ask ourselves, we've got to pause and say, at least in our mind, is all of this immediacy, is all of this uh, expectancy, right, is all of this creating in our persona an overblown expectation of instant gratification in every area of life? I, I remember my mom with the old Jiffy Pop. Anybody? Brother Bruce, thank you. Right? You put it on a stove and you shook it and the, the thing swelled up. My kids would think that was like, they would be just completely freaked out about that. And now, even, you know, when Jossie comes to our house, she's, you know, can I get some popcorn? And she, you know, I taught her at, at four or five how to put it in the microwave, the right side up, and push the popcorn button. And she does popcorn all on her own, right? But we're patient, not only about fast food and coffee and information and thrill rides, but we're losing that ability to be patient altogether as humanity. It really is the truth. And so in the midst of this increasingly need for speed, this place where our expectations are, are, are growing and, and we just expect so much, you know, we've, we talk about it all the time. If the preacher goes five minutes too long or 10 minutes too long, there's an expectancy because we have every detail of every day mapped out and laid out for us. And, and so one of the aspects of our God that, that shines more brilliantly than others in all of the things that are so great about God is his perfect patience. No one, no one surpasses God. No one even comes close to his ability to handle your life and my life with his infinite care. No, nothing, nothing, nothing could ever come close to that. Even on your worst day, he handles your life with that life-changing strength and that gentleness and kindness that can only come from God. 
The, the commentator, writer Matthew Henry described the patience of God as a marvelous thing. He, he wrote it this way. He said, it can endure evil and provocation without being filled with resentment or revenge. I read that and I had to just stop and and I, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? He said that the, the patience of God can endure evil and provocation without being filled with resentment or revenge. And I had to ask myself, can I endure evil? Can I deal with something that I don't think is right? Can I, can I deal with something that's provoking me without being filled or having at least some measure of resentment or revenge? That's kind of a deep question. That's a tough one for every person who's walking in this flesh, right? But he went on. He went on to say it this way. He said, this patience of God will put up with many slights from the person that it loves, and it will wait long to see the kindly effects of such patience on him. He finishes his statement with a personal note. He said, I will love the Lord through eternity for all that he has put up with to save me. My goodness, how great is that? Can you imagine what God has put up with in me? I can't imagine what God has put up with in you, right? And so this morning, I want to take the next few minutes, and I want us to look not just at the patience of God, but I want us to look at our response, or rather even our reaction to God's patience. See, when others around me are being patient, or when other people are waiting patiently, uh, I'm not always on the same page. Just because you're patient doesn't mean I can be. And just because I'm patient doesn't mean that you can be. But, but in, in this passage, when Paul is writing to this young minister, Timothy, he's describing some responses that we have to God's patience. And so jumping right into this, I want to make a statement before I dig too deep into this. I want you to understand that our response and God's reaction are almost always very different. The first one I want to talk about is um, kind of really the antithesis of God's patience. You see, we are often, as humanity, puzzled by the patience of God. Can I get an amen? The, The statement starts this way, how could a just and loving God allow, and you fill in the blank, how does God not upset about this? Or how does God not just rub them out about this? How, how does this happen? And so every single day, a, a perplexed world and, and a, a, a godly church are asking this question, and this question goes to the nature of God. God, how can you allow this to go on? And I know the people in this room, and you are opinionated, and you think that you know what is right in every situation. And there are many people today that say, how could you allow this? How could this happen? We, we think that only the world is asking this question, but it's not true. It's, the church is also asking this question. And so no matter who is asking the question of God, when we do so, what we're doing is we're applying our human limits to the patience of God. The patience of God is very, very puzzling to me. And I know that sometimes if you're being honest, it has to be to you. At times, every person finds it difficult if not impossible, to reconcile God's justice with God's patience. I believe in justice. 
I believe in it, right? I, I like that Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? You know, get a nail for a nail. Let's get this thing straight, you know. But that's not how God always operates, even though that's what the, the law said. Because we've moved into a place of grace, and you can't have grace without patience. Mercy is not going to come unless there's some patience built into us, right? And so our humanity always wants God and others to be patient with us when we're less than we should be. But when it comes to being patient with someone else, well, that's what they say is another story, right? Get them, God. Sick them, God. Get them, Pastor. Tear them up. Somebody tell them what they're, you can't, we can't, we can't abide with that. And, and, and it's that patience of God, you know, understanding that most good people don't even want to talk about that. I, I want what I want and I want it now. That's the truth. That's the reality of our humanity. And so these, there are four specific puzzling things that, that, could, that should never be confused with the patience of God. The first one is ignorance. We confuse ignorance with patience. We're like, I, I don't understand why God, I, I just can't grasp why God is allowing this to happen. You need to know this. You need to know that God is not ignorant. He is fully aware of every injustice in the world. Every single injustice. He knows every difficulty that you suffered. He is aware of everything that you are suffering in your life. He knows, right? He knows it all. He's aware. He, he, he knows when, when, even when it doesn't feel like he knows, according to the word of God, he knows. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking, he's, he's teaching on the topic of fear, and he relates it this way in verses 29 and 30. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. One of those two farthings will not fall to the ground, will not pass from this life, but except God knows it. Now that, you know, okay, yeah, I know God knows, God knows, but sometimes when you're in the midst of that circumstance, that situation, that, that issue of life, it doesn't always feel like God knows. But he goes on and says, don't you understand that the very hairs of your head are all numbered? 1,237,356. I don't know. Can you imagine how many hairs have grown in your head over a lifetime? My wife must be in the billions. Come on, you apostolic ladies, I love you, but my Lord have mercy on the hair, right? But you've got to grasp, you've got to know that God is not ignorant of your situation. The patience of God is puzzling to us because we tend, as a, our nature is just to be impatient. But you've got to know he knows where you are and he knows what you're going through. God is aware. He knows every injustice. There is nothing that goes unnoticed. He is not ignorant. Isaiah wrote it this way in Isaiah 46 and 10. He says God was declaring the end from the beginning. So if God can declare the end from the beginning, that he knows everything in the middle, right? And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. What, is he, what are you saying, Isaiah? He's saying he knows what has happened, he knows what is happening, and he knows what will happen. God knows everything. What could have happened that didn't happen, what didn't happen that should have happened, what can happen but won't happen. I, you, it's just got to be encouraging to you to know that God knows. But he not only knows the good, he knows the bad. 
He knows every fault you've got. He knows every failing you've got. Come on, let's be real in the church on a Sunday morning. He knows the sin that you live with. He knows the sin that you hide. He knows that, that feeling of resentment and anger that you're dealing with. He understands. He knows. And so we cannot be puzzled. We cannot believe that God is ignorant of what's going on in our world. But that question that we ask, how can God allow this to go on? You need to understand some things God really is aware. I think we'll help with some of this in a little bit. The second puzzling factor of God's patience is called weakness. This one is really, really difficult. In humanity, when we see weakness, when we see someone who fails to take action, we, 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 we see that as weakness, right? As a man, it's my responsibility to defend and protect my family. Three of you? Come on, I know, I know some of you better than that. That's my job, right? Okay, I, I get it. But, and so what happens from that is we get, this, we get this impression, we get this reality that's perceived in our spirit that when, 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 when we do nothing, it's weakness. Now, my dad, my dad told me that it takes the bigger man to walk away from a fight. And my dad never did that. Not once in his entire life, but he told me that, right? I don't remember ever telling my son that. I, I tried to put it, you know, hey, it's not always the right thing to do, but when you have to, you have to. Why? Because I, 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 I didn't want to tell him, but right. But see, the, the truth is when we look at the power of God or when we look at what was perceived as weakness, this is God's true power that's that is defined or reflected through his restraint. If you can't pray for anything else, pray for Brother Roberts that I could have a little more restraint. I, I, maybe not a lot more, but a little more, right? And the old saying, the old timers used to say that meekness is not weakness. It's really hard to find that balance. It's really hard to understand that. The prophet Nahum kind of captures this best when he writes in Nahum 1 and 3. He said, the Lord is slow to anger. He's great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked, right? Uh, another translation says that the, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. Brother, Brother Plager, sometimes I've felt like it was my job to punish the guilty as long as it wasn't me. As long as I didn't have a dog in that fight, I, I, I thought it was okay. Come on, be honest with your humanity, right? And, and so I find here this great difference between me and God. And, and you thought there were there were none, but I, I'm quick to anger, but I'm weak in power. But he's just the opposite. He's slow to anger. But he's mighty in his power. And so when we look at the weakness and we perceive that God's inaction as weakness, it's not really weakness, it's restraint. It's the patience of God. And so one of the hardest things for us to, do, to grasp in our humanity is why would the Lord allow the guilty to go unpunished for now? 
I'm in the book. I know maybe not the most exciting lesson I've ever taught, but I'm in the book. I'm trying to help somebody understand. You don't understand what's going on in the world. And I believe that Jesus Christ is still on the throne in glory. I know he's still God in heaven and in the earth. I believe he sets them up and he takes them down. I believe all things are ordered by the direction of God. And you've got to believe that. You can't get discouraged by something that you see in the world that's going on. Listen, there have been good rulers, bad rulers, been all kinds of evil rulers and great rulers throughout humanity, and God has still been on the throne through all of that. Don't you worry about it. You've got to trust in God. If you're trusting in government, you've got your trust issues in the wrong place. Because I don't care who we elect in what office, they're not going to fix our, they're not going to fix it. Listen, this is what's going to fix it. The only thing that will ever fix America or any humanity is found in the Word of God. I believe. Well, God, how can you allow? No, 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 no. You got to understand something. You may not, agree, you not, may not believe it. You may not agree with it. But we are living in one of the greatest times of personal freedom that humanity has ever known. I know they're pointing out all this injustice, but if those same pointers with those same bony fingers were alive a hundred years ago, they would have had. They wouldn't have had enough fingers to point at all the injustices. We have, as humanity, grown and moving forward, and I thank God for every advancement, and I believe that we should fight injustice, we should fight intolerance, we should stand against those things, but you've got to know that God is still on the throne. The older generations believed this. They understood that justice would ultimately happen at judgment. But something has happened, Brother Andre, in our world today. We feel like it's our job to set everybody straight. When I grew up, only my mom could do that. And now, you know, my granddaughters think they have to correct me. I, I want to use that old thing that my mom told me, but I, I just doesn't really come out the same. She said it with some force and some meaning, and you knew that she was, she was being honest when she said, watch your mouth, save your teeth. I, I know, I know, a different generation, right? I know your mama. I know, I know. Mm. Sorry, mama. You didn't, say, you didn't say what for. You didn't you said, sorry, mama. I know it's your mama. Your mama would say James, and she didn't even have to hit Jeremy. She'd just say James, and he'd just knuckle him up because mama said so. I know. I saw that. But we can't confuse what we perceive as weakness, right? We, we can't confuse that. It, it's confusing. God is patient. We've got to, this 21st century church has to grasp this. This is a tremendous promise from, from the word of God that judgment will occur. Nobody is getting away with anything. The only people that are ever getting away with anything are the people that have their sin under the blood. The only people that are ever going to, come on somebody, hear what I'm saying to the church. The only way you get by is if you get it to an old rugged cross. And Come on somebody, I'm talking to the church. Don't you worry about justice, let God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but we want just that little bit. The guilty are not going to get away with it forever. 
it's going to come. But weakness is not what we think it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, Paul says this. Paul says, for this thing, anybody ever had a thing? I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Oh, Lord, anybody got a thing? I've been begging God to take care of this, right? And notice, and he said unto me, the words that I don't ever want God to say to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. No, 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 I, 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 I know I didn't hear that right, Lord. There's something in my ear. I know, I, come on, God. We got we to deal with this. We, we gotta, and God said, I am dealing with it. My grace is, why? Because my strength, uh-oh, notice this, is made perfect. There's a word missing there. In your weakness. His strength is perfect when you're weak. And so Paul says, okay, I, I grasp this. It took me three tries. I, I'm not as smart as Paul. It's going to take me more than three tries. But, I, but, mo, but Paul, Paul's response is, most gladly, therefore will I glory in the fact that I got issues. Wait a minute, Paul. I, I, I've been there six times, and I, I, I'm trying to get that wax out of my ear. I'm trying to say, God, I, no, no, no. And God's saying, no, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul says, most gladly will I, will, therefore will I glory, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. He said, therefore do I take pleasure in infirmities. I want to skip that chapter. Therefore, do I take pleasure in reproaches? Uh, 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 no, no. Therefore, do I take pleasure in necessities? Oh, Lord. I'm in the book, and some of y'all ain't liking this right now. Therefore, do I take pleasure in persecutions? Wait, wait, wait. You got this out of context. No, no, I'm reading it right. Therefore, do I take pleasure in distress for Christ's sake? Why? Because when I'm weak, that's the only time that I'm really strong. This is hard, right? Because our humanity struggles to understand any situation where or when God can do something, but he chooses not to. Whew. I got a hard time with this. I, I, I prayed for deliverance. I prayed for healing. I prayed for, I prayed for what? And God said, my grace, my, my what? No, 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 God. We're, we're not looking for the G word. We're looking for the J word. We're not looking for G's. We're looking for H. We want healing. We want justice. We want, we want, I'll back up. Let's go to D. Let's get some deliverance in here, Jesus. Let's, because we perceive weakness when it's really strength. Because here's what God knows. God knows that if he lets you go through it, you're going to be stronger coming out the other side. But my humanity goes, no, no, no. That's not how it works, God. Oh, I'd never say that. No, no, we, we would all say that. And we all do say that, right? 
Why? The, 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 the third point, the thing that puzzles us, we, we, we talk about, we, we, we think God's ignorant. Well, God just doesn't understand. God just doesn't get it. That's why it's not happening. Or, or no, it's, it's God, you, I, I just figured God would sort all this out. I just figured God would make it right. I just figured God would, would take care of this, but, but he hasn't. And so in our humanity, it settles in as weakness. But there's a, a third puzzling point of this. It's called apathy. Now, we, we understand apathy because every human person deals with some level of apathy. You're apathetic about something. You don't care. I, I was excited that Florida won a football game yesterday, and some of you didn't even know and didn't even care. And I'll forgive you someday. Why? Because it's important to me. But so when we start looking at spiritual matters, it's easy to conclude that God simply does not care about evil. If he's an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, and he's not ignorant, he's not weak, then why does he allow this to go on? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. He said, I say to you that every idle word, other translations say every careless word, Matthew 12, 36, that men shall speak, shall they give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, in the context of this lesson, I want to sew my lips shut. Every idle word, every careless word is going to go with me to judgment. I, I don't know what to say after that, but The fact is that the truth is that God's justice and God's wrath are being delayed and stored until final judgment. I'm going to read Romans chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. If you don't have this underline in your Bible, you need to underline it and go back and read it because it will help you grow as a child of God. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Here's what he said, Romans chapter 2, verse 3. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things. I really like the New Living Translation because it just kind of opened up my chest and ripped out my heart and threw it on the ground. And put it. Back. I'm not sure how I'm breathing right now. Verse 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Yeah, I, I do. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Knowing that the goodness of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. Verse 5, New Living Translation. But because you are stubborn, because of that hardness and impenitent heart, right, and refuse to turn from your sin, here's what he says in the New Living Translation. You are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For the day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. We get puzzled by God's impatience, by God's patience. We're, we're, man, maybe God doesn't know. Man, I, I don't know. If I was God, I would do it differently. Thank God you're not God. Okay? And, and then we, it, we just, it just progresses to this point where we say, man, God just doesn't care. 
But the Word of God specifically says God not only cares and He's aware, but He's going to do something about it. But in the moment, that's so, Brother Trey, it's so hard to get in the moment. In the moment, I, I, I want to help God out. You know, that person cuts you off. You never, you never smiled at him and showed him the fish sign. Love you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for cutting me off. Oh, no. That black smoke's going to come out of that tailpipe when I stomp that floor down. We're going to chase them down. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Those careless words, those idle words, right? Because I'm sometimes stubborn. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? The fourth puzzling fact about God's patience is absence. This one really kind of just is, is almost fun, right? God is never absent from the equation. We somehow, we, we just wonder where God's at, right? But he's not a distant observer. He, even when his people are being mistreated, he's omnipresent. We say that, but here's what the Bible said in Psalms 139. You, you've read this, right? David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I get all the way up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, it doesn't matter. Your hand will guide me, your right hand. Why? He, he said God is already there. And so sometimes we just look at a situation and we go, God just isn't in that. Be careful. Be careful saying God's not in it. Because it's not always blindingly evident that God hears our prayer. I'm talking to the church now. In our personal lives and in the world around us, there seems to be an endless amount of suffering and turmoil in spite of our fervent prayer. In spite of our petitions to God, right? We, we prayed for a loved one to be healed, and, and they, they weren't healed. They died, right? We pleaded with God to grant wisdom to our government leaders, and, and they continue to mangle the political landscape of our country, right? Well, the, the great challenge for every believer is to confront God's role in the evil that we perceive happening around us. Now, I, I know I, I'm not a theologian, and I, I can't offer a satisfactory explanation for all of life's suffering in the context of an all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God. But I know this, and I know that the Bible affirms this, God is in the midst of suffering. God is in the place. He's standing with us, beside us in every moment of your pain. When you're engulfed in sorrow, when you're dealing with distress, you may not even feel the presence of God, but you've got to know that even though you're walking through the shadow, that valley of the shadow of death, God is walking with you. Amen. He's not an absent God, but even sometimes it feels like that. I, I love, I love the, 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 the wording, that conversation on that road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 when Paul is knocked off the horse and he sees that great light and he's confronted and God looks at Paul or at, at Saul at that time and he says, why do you persecute me? Excuse me? Now, now if I was God, bro, I, I, Brother Bush, I'm telling you, 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 don't, you don't know. If I was God, we would have we made Paul. I mean, I would have rubbed Paul out, you know. I mean, I, I would have sent Guido and the boys down to Damascus 
we'd have had a Sicilian necktie. You know, Paul, we'd have said, you know, it wrapped up a fish in newspaper. Paul is sleeping with the fishes. Honest engine right here. Paul, forgive me when I get to heaven, but if I was God and you were doing what you're doing to the church, I would have rubbed you out. Any honest folk in the house? Oh, but he's the greatest apostle. No, no, I would have just, get him, boys. Done, right? And so the, there's our humanity, we see the patience of God as weakness, and the church is perplexed and puzzled by that. But as a child of God, I've got to recognize that he is the almighty God and that he has a definite plan. And just because I'm not aware of his plan doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. Just because I don't see it, just because I don't understand it, does not mean he's not already at work. And so, yes, I get puzzled by the patience of God. I'm perplexed. I, I find sometimes, uh, man, he just must be ignorant. Or maybe sometimes, man, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed because God didn't step in. I, I, I see his meekness as weakness. And sometimes I'm like, man, God just doesn't care. He's just not really involved in there. And I have to catch myself and remind myself that God is not absent from the situation. But he's long-suffering. Bishop. Bishop coined the phrase, what does it mean to be long-suffering? It means to suffer long. Well, how long do you got to suffer? Well, I, uh, as long as it takes, I guess. I, I, I don't know. But my, my second point, I, I want to quickly move to it this morning. It, we're, we're, first, we're puzzled by that patience of God. But the, the second thing that we've got to recognize about the patience of God is that the patience of God is pursuing us. Now, those two words don't seem to kind of go together, patient pursuit. It's kind of like methodical thinking, right? So not everybody quite gets that. And so, have you ever asked the question or wondered in your mind, why does God continue to put up with my foolishness? Come on, is there an honest person in the house? I mean, Lord, why are you so patient with me? One minute I'm praising, the next minute I'm grumbling. One minute I'm kind to the others, next minute I, I hurry past somebody in need. Amen. One minute I, I vow to honor him, the next minute I'm seeking glory for myself. Amen. Be honest about it, right? I mean, we're a mess. I, I drove up behind this car yesterday, and she lady had a sticker on the back of her car and said, uh, don't, don't get too close to my mess. Amen. I just kind of eased off and said, okay. <laughs> don't need to clean up another mess today, right? But I mean, well, I mean, we're, we're, seriously, our humanity is such a mess. Who could live with a person like that, right? Let alone forgive us and love us. It's crazy, isn't it? I, you've been wondering the same thing, right? I've got a two-part answer for you. First, God doesn't just show us his patience. He is patience. It's how God defines himself. Let me give you some proof from the Word of God. I'm not going to take the time to look all these up. 1 John 4 and 6 says that God, 4 and 16 says God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 says love is patient, right? Those are two, uh, two opposite ends of the spectrum. But it's like that formula, Brother Steve, that I learned in high school that I've never used once in my entire life until today, right? It's that school math. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So if God equals patience, right, he said so himself, right? And so we've we, 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 we got, we got to get that. we got to get that. So if God is love and love is patient, then God is patient. It's a formula that you can't get around. 
And I can prove it to you from Scripture. When Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, the Lord comes down in a, crowd, in a cloud in, verse, in chapter 34, verse 6, and the Lord passes by Moses and proclaimed. He gives a, de- a, a declaration of who he is. He said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. You want to do a Bible study, there are five things right there that you can study about the character of God. God said, I am long-suffering, right? Here, the, the, uh, the, another version says it this way. He said, I'm the, Lord God, I'm the Lord God, I am merciful and very patient with my people. God equals patience. Our God is a patient God. He doesn't have patience, he is patience. And Brother Steve, it frustrates me. Because I'm all about Guido and the boys. I mean, Brother Matt, go get us a fish and a newspaper. Let's wrap that up. Let's send a message. I, you, come on, you're with me. You, you're, I, I look at your face and you're, you're not shaking your head. You're not saying he's a dummy. You're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something in his teeth. Yeah, I got it, you know. But listen, a, a, more, a more common translation for patience is slow to anger. And probably one that best captures this in the, in the original Hebrew, this, this long-suffering is a combination of two Hebrew words, arak meaning long or patient or slow, and af meaning nostril or face or anger. Let me, let me put it to you in some 21st century terms. God waits a very long time before he gets in your face. Now, Sister Barry will tell you that I have a box. Brother Robert's got a personal space. And I really don't care for anybody that's not my daughter or my granddaughters or my grandson, i got to be politically correct, to get inside that space. I love you. I appreciate you. But I may never go back to shaking hands. I'm good with fist bump. I'm all about contactless humanity. I'm, I'm good with that. I don't. Just telling y'all, 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 brother, sister Mary, tell them the truth. The truth, tell. See, I got a witness. She's described it for me. She said, "You're just not very huggable." <laughs> I, I, I just, I got a box. Don't, don't, get, don't get in there, right? And, and so, God, He's so patient. Yeah, I, brother Trey, man, don't get in my face. Lord Jesus, I'm not God. A equals B, B equals C. Don't, don't work that way, Brother Steve. I'm, don't get in my face. I don't deal with Bo. Bo don't, don't do it. You'll see a side of Brother Roberts you didn't want to see. But the Lord isn't patient because, he, because we deserve it. He's patient because of who he is. He doesn't lose patience with those he loves because patience is his, hear me now, his nature. Our, our English word comes from a Greek word, macrothumia, and it's almost always translated literally as long-suffering. When Adam sinned in the garden, God didn't just charge into the garden and draw his sword out. You know, he didn't go in there and go, Adam! No, he goes in and he goes, Adam, where are you? 
Why? Because it's his nature. It's the same way that God's patience enabled him to come after us time and time and time again when we fail. Jesus said it this way, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The patience of God is choosing to delay his reaction to my sin. The patience of God is choosing to delay his reaction to my fault and to my failure. He's allowing me some time to reflect. He's allowing me an opportunity to hear the word of God. He's allowing me an opportunity to reflect and repent of my sin. That's what the patience of God is all about. Here's what Paul said in our text in verse 13. He said, who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy. Paul experienced the grace of God because God made a choice. The Lord chose not to react to Paul's blasphemy and persecution and violence. You know what? Paul was an assassin of character. That's what blasphemy is, right? He assassinated the character of the people of God and of the church. And no doubt, Paul Paul cursed the name of Christ on many occasions, but God chose not to react to that. Paul was guilty of depriving good people of their human rights. We call that persecution. Paul was a persecutor of people for what they believed. He was guilty of doing all he could to destroy the lives of those who chose to follow Jesus Christ. But God chose not to react. Man, I'm on the phone. Guido. Paul was a violent person, physically and verbally abused the people of God. He was a man filled with violence. He was insolent and insulting before his conversion, but God made the choice. I'm telling you, if God can make a choice, if God can make a choice to not react when I fail, when, listen, I can make a choice that no matter what happens in my world, that I'm not going to overreact to it. I can make a choice that no matter what's going on in the world around me, whether I agree or I disagree, whether I think it's right or I think it's wrong, I can make a choice. God, help me. God, preserve me. Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. I didn't think anybody would clap over that, but it's still true whether you know it or not. Amen. Here's what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering. He's patient to usward. He's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to a place of repentance. The New Living Translation says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. We preach this. God's got a plan for your life, but he's patient with you. He is the husbandman that waiteth long for the fruit. Our response is always different than God's reaction. Always different than God's reaction. My third and final point this morning, verses 12, verse 12 in our text. I I like the wording from the New Living Translation when Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath given me strength. The King James says he's enabled me to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and he appointed me to serve him. We, We need to understand that God's patience 
isn't weakness, but it's an, it's an enabling strength. It, it literally empowered Paul to do the work of ministry. If, if I were God, Brother Tim, and I sent Guido and the boys down, then this book would be much different. Because I can look and see that at least this much of it was written by that man of God who was a persecutor and violent and injurious. That, that man, he, he was the one that God allowed to put pen to paper and it described for us how to live as the people of God. And so Paul said, I was strengthened. I was enabled, right? Because you and I need to understand this if we don't understand anything else, that transformation is a process. And processes take time. But patience, I don't like patience, but it's really how we learn kingdom lessons. It's really how we get to the place that God wants us to be. Oswald Chambers said it this way, God will bring us back in countless ways to the same point over and over again. Hmm. God will bring us back to the same place, countless ways, not countless time, in countless ways, to the same point over and over again. He never tries bringing us back to that one point until we learn the lesson because his purpose is to produce a finished product. It's amazing to me how different God is than we are. His purpose is to produce in you a finished product. It may be a, a problem that's arising from an impulsive nature, but again and again, with the most persistent patience, God has brought us back to that one point. I, 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 I read through here how the children of Israel went down to that place of crossing, that Kadesh Barnea. They journeyed through that wilderness experience, which could have been a few days or a few months that turned into a generation, into 40 years. But over and over, if you go back and read the timeline, over and over they would pass by. Just go by there. Just kind of swing by so you could see that little muddy Jordan River. Just go by Jericho one more time. Over 40 years, they kept moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. Why? Because God was bringing them back to that same point. And that's what the patience of God is doing in his church. Well, I don't like this. I don't feel this, and I don't agree with this. Who cares what you don't feel and what you don't agree? Brother Roberts, you're being insensitive. No, no, God's going to bring you back to that point and back to that point. He's going to take a different road. He's going to take a different venue, but he's going to bring you back. He's going to bring you back. Why? Because he's working on a finished product. Oh, we, we know. We know what the Bible says. They that wait upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord, they're going to become weak again. We don't like that one. But contrast that with the New Testament where Paul says, my grace. Go back and read that word of God when it says, but when the long-suffering of God when the Lord was waiting, when the Lord was, he says, why? Because we want to mount up with wings as eagles. We want to run and not be weary. We want to walk and not faint. We want all of those great things, but we're not willing to wait on God's timing. It's difficult because, Brother James, I'm, I'm puzzled. I don't get it. God, why? How'd you let this happen? How could this happen? What, 
God, I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Lord, didn't, didn't you? I, I missed two meals, God. I'm, I fasted. I gave up coffee for a day, Lord. I didn't call DoorDash at all. I mean, I, I did it all. And, and you still let, because that's the nature of our humanity. But A equals B, right? B equals C, and A is going to equal C, right? Because God is, he's patient. He's not going to give up on you. And I, there's some people here that you're struggling. You're going, God, why am I dealing with this again and again and again? Why haven't I been healed? Why? Why? Because God's saying, you know, I, I'm working on a finished product. I'm working on a, a finished product. Because that process of patience is so difficult. I, I find that that, pers- that, that that persistent patience of God that pursues my life. God, I, I thought I dealt with that. I thought I got over that. I thought I moved on from that. And God said, no, 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 we're going to turn you around. Now, gentlemen, I, I can't speak for the ladies, but I will speak for us men. You're not a real man if you turn around. I'm never lost as long as there's fuel in the tank, and I don't turn around. I might find another way. Is there, honest, come on, honest engine in here. Thank you, bro. Come on, I don't, I don't. My wife says to me, you're lost. The grip on that steering wheel. (laughs) I'm not lost. Back before all of these silly devices. Oh, man. Uh Uh-uh. You see fuel in that tank, baby? We're just riding. We're good. (laughs) And in our relationship with God, God said, I'm bringing you back around. Whoa, 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 God. Oh, oh, you see fuel in the tank? Come on, God. No, we're just going to turn over here. We'll find our way back. And God said, no, I'm going to bring you back around. Because while it's puzzling to you, I'm pursuing you. And the, the, the thing that you've really got to grasp is that when I get you to that place where I can do the work in you, that's where I can really bring power in your life. But God, I'm weak there. I know. But God, I I can't. No, I know. But God, no, I I know. That's why I keep bringing you back to this place of failure, to this place of weakness, because that's where I am strong. The patience of God is difficult. The patience of God is perplexing to me because I'm not God. But I'm so glad that he's patient with me in every situation. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me back to that that place of weakness, that place of struggle, that place, God. Thank you. Why? Because he's working on a finished product. Lift a hand with me this morning. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com.
I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait.